There's an admiration in doing something or becoming someone beyond where you came from. There are people who are their job, their reputation, the rumours that circle them. But for many, they walk their own path, making it their own. To discover new beginnings, new friends, enemies, excitement and adventure. There is a beauty in knowing that you can follow your heart whilst your head marks the way. This is Two Takes, and this is One Shot, analysis of the film Stardust. Spoilers are ahead. If there's one thing I learned in all my years watching Earth, is that people aren't what they may seem. There are shop boys, and there are boys who just happen to work in shops for the time being. And trust me, Tristan, you're no shop boy. Following Tristan in the maze of love, adventure, and journeys across unknown universes, he does have much to learn when it comes to other people. Giving everyone the benefit of the doubt, retaining his manners, and generally being a kind-hearted, naive boy that eventually comes back as a weathered, confident young man. That's what adventures and journeys do to you, right? We've all been there, and we all discover that people and things aren't necessarily what they seem. From the village of Wall, the normal for us has become legend to those in the kingdom of Stallhold. Sons kill their siblings for the right of king, candles make you travel, ships sail across the sky as well as the sea. The list can go on, and it's people. Given we only saw a little of the people of Wall, at least don't pretend or present themselves as anything else. Take Victoria. She doesn't hide who she is. Her meal ticket is her looks, and given the smallness of the village, she is indeed the village beauty. Getting closer to the magic beyond the wall, we have the questionable old guard, apparently older than 80, but able to do karate moves like a teenager. Magic can do all sorts, it seems. Go over the wall, and we find that people are more complicated, deceiving, protective, agile, and willing to help or hinder you than you first thought. Oh, it works every time. An ounce of bargaining, a pinch of trickery, a soup zone of intimidation. Et voila, the perfect recipe for a towering reputation without ever having to spill one drop of blood. Ever tried to get blood stains out of a silk shirt? Nightmare. Captain Shakespeare, the man with a fearsome reputation, is actually a really nice guy. Tristan and Yvain know it. His crew have known from the very beginning and Septimus accidentally finds out by trying to take over the ship. The concept of how Captain Shakespeare tries to present himself in a way that can be understood by the person's interpretation. Take the name, Shakespeare, can be a brilliant wordsmith, or the writer of tragedy and death. A powerful image to maintain without spilling a drop of blood. A hefty price to keep, I must say. But both fitting for what he uses it for. It's just unfortunate that the captain tends to hide it at all especially the fabulous clothes that he could never throw away in the fear that it might come back into fashion. He teaches Gervain the piano, Tristan how to fight with a sword, and both how to dance. A man of many talents, whether these activities are perceived as manly or feminine, it doesn't matter. There's a balance of his actions, and in the end, they shine through. The beauty, or horror, depending on how you look at it, is when Captain is found out, not just by Septimus, but by his crew also. This is where it's heartwarming, as the crew knew from the beginning. 
Being more concerned about whether he was hurt, the only thing that is hurt is the captain's pride and reputation, which we discover is still intact. The honesty of conversation between captain and crew has perhaps made way for better communication, and in a way, because of Septimus hunting for Yvain, the captain and his chance encounter with Yvain and Tristan, both these encounters make way for better things. Better ways of being honest, and being more like yourself, not how people want you to be. Turning it on one's head, from Captain Shakespeare, who hides his niceness in an air of ferocity, to a person that is literally the other way around. The main antagonist, Lamia, deceives Yvain at the inn by being a kind-hearted innkeeper to make her more relaxed and happy, so that she could cut out Yvain's heart. And again at her lair when her sisters are dead. She cries and demands for Yvain and Kristen to leave, until she smashes all the mirrors and declares coldly that she thanks Tristan for getting rid of her sisters, so she didn't have to share the heart of a star. Cold, almost inhuman, Lamia shows that what you say and do and more importantly, what you look like can deceive anyone for your own personal gain. Even Dishwater Sal did not recognise her, and we all know where that left her. There are two secondary characters that become part of this whole adventure almost by accident, but their purpose shows importance by their choices, moving the plot further along the timeline. Whether it was by what they have said or done, it becomes a major catalyst for the main characters. Una, a princess turned witch slave, has a chance encounter with Dustin, bringing about the rightful heir of Stormhold through her bloodline. That's the major one. The smaller one would be the Babylon candle that she entrusted with Tristan in his cradle. That Babylon candle marked the beginning of Tristan's adventures, and at the ending of the film, she entrusts King Tristan with another one, marking another beginning for another journey. The one where both Yvain and Tristan go into the sky and become immortal stars. But if you want to be even more specific, the white flower that grants protection would be the catalyst. For Ditchwater Sal to be searching for it, and then for Una to overhear Yvain claim that it was a gift from Tristan's mother, now that would be the major catalyst. But either way, many things link together to even merge universes. It's almost as though through Una's guidance, Tristan was able to become the man he was meant to be. The number one, Una, was meant to lead the way. The seventh son, Septimus, Una's brother, was the catalyst for Bernard. And in a way, Septimus was picking up the pieces to the point where everyone came together in the witch's lair for the final showdown. Bernard, going along a roller coaster of being a slave for another witch, then turned informant captive by Septimus, he found his way into Captain Shakespeare's gang. We see him celebrating with the rest of them in the Great Hall at the end of the film. Without Bernard, Septimus would have been at our loss, and would have never found Tristan, Yvain, the witch, or even his sister, Una. Bernard and Una, a goat farmer and a princess, shows that no matter who you are, or where you come from, you never know where you're going to end up when you go along for the ride. I said I knew little about love. Well, that wasn't true. I know a lot about love. I've seen it. I've seen centuries and centuries of it. And it was the only thing that made watching your world bearable. And all those wars, pain and lies, 
hate made me want to turn away and never look down again. But to see the way that mankind loves. I mean, you could search the furthest reaches of the universe and never find anything more beautiful. So, yes, I, I know that love is unconditional. But I also know it can be unpredictable, unexpected, uncontrollable, unbearable, and well, it's strangely easy to mistake for loathing. The main concept within this film was obtaining the heart of a star, the aspect of beauty and immortality. But like Captain Shakespeare's double-edged persona, this is another thing that has two or more meanings or uses. Before the story even begins, we have the narrator questioning whether the stars gaze back at us as we do to them, and he is proven correct. Stars do watch us, and in Tristan's dreams they can speak to us. This begs a theory about whether or not stars can manipulate our dreams, but that's for another time. When stars fall from the heavens down to earth, they are considered rare, unique, and delicious in what we can take from them. The heart of a star can do many things to people, depending on who they are. Lamia and her sisters want to look youthful and beautiful. Septimus wants immortality to be king forever. Captain Shakespeare has no interest in the heart, but in your vein as she is. And Tristan? Well, Tristan isn't tempted at all. The heart of a star would bring about loneliness to be immortal but alone. It's an interesting mix of assorted characters. Some only see what is in front of them, whilst a precious few can see past the immediate gratification. Immediately, we know Yvain is the star that falls to Earth, and through some short conversations, we realise she is actually the evening star. Add to that, the evening star is so close to Earth it presents Yvain as a star that was so interested in the affairs of the world that she goes closer to Earth in order to view it. She is centuries years old, and we can tell that she is still naive in things such as love and hate, which is beautiful to see. It's the realisation or feeling the sensation of something for the first time. Not just watching it, actually being present, that has your vein trying to figure it all out. And she does, in her own way. Her emotions of happiness and love give her away, but surely, like any of us, we glow, or rather shine, when we are at our happiest? In a way, we are following someone who has witnessed these human emotions, but have never really gone through them themselves. The more we follow Yvain, ironically us watching the star this time around, the more we come to realise about Yvain's journey is actually with our own heart. She wants Tristan, only asking for an exchange of his heart for hers. And we realise through their adventures together, they get closer and their energy shines through. It's not about everlasting life, it's about everlasting love in all of its forms. Between different universes, between the heavens and the earth, it seems it doesn't matter who or where you are from. Be a princess or a goat herder, a shop boy or a star, a witch or the seventh son to the throne. It doesn't matter. Be who you are wanting to be and become the best version of yourself. Whether or not adventure is given or sprung upon you, accept and adapt. Explore what is around you, explore your own mind and heart, and realise what you can learn. No star can shine with a broken heart. And the best part is, 
You don't have to be from the heavens for that to relate to you. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed what was said, then please support the show from my Patreon. And if you want to know what's happening next, follow my Instagram. To know my day-to-day thoughts, follow my Twitter. And if you want to read what was said instead, then follow my blog, linked elsewhere. With your support, I can only make this better, so again, thank you from the bottom of my heart.